Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I am currently receiving telepathic messages from the monolith uh, in... Uh, where is the... Where is the? Oh, I mean, do you want to get to this? Do you want to know how many monoliths there are? Isn't there one on the British seaside now? There are 13. Oh, well, all 13 monoliths are putting horny thoughts inside my brain telepathically. Sure. I say that. At least 13. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about the monoliths. Uh, who I'm who Luke. are you? I'm Luke. Hi. Uh, <laughs> You interrupted me with the monolith, man. <laughs> yes, sorry. Uh, I am Luke, and I am also here. Uh, there are no monoliths sending words to my brain because the monoliths are fundamentally uninteresting, and that's why we're talking about them this week. Way to hype up the show. All right, let's get into it. Hey, you think they're interesting? I think they're not. That's 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 where the conflict comes from. I love them. I think it's great. I'm excited. But before we get into monoliths, which is, yes, what the episode is about t- this week, we will be talking about two very important pieces of news that have happened this week, which is one, every single person in the world is in Spider-Man 3, and minutes before we started recording this show, uh, Facebook got hit with a a huge amount of uh, lawsuits from the FTC, uh, basically asking them to unwind Instagram and WhatsApp from their company, rendering them effectively irrelevant. It's been yeah. a big week for news. And, we, and, and when we say uh, minutes before, we mean minutes before. Uh, I am not fully up to up to speed on what is happening with the with the Facebook stuff. Uh, it's clearly a it's a pretty big deal. Um, I think it's really interesting because it's the kind of I don't know. It's going to find the 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 limits of antitrust law, essentially. Oh wait. Also, William Shakespeare got the coronavirus vaccine. There's been a lot <laughs> since last week that's happened. Because uh, you even said on the show that by the time we record next week, people in the UK will be receiving the vaccine. Uh, I also found out that starting January one, it will be mandatory for everyone in the state of Sao Paulo to get the vaccine. And I'm very curious if that applies to me as well. How how are they making it mandatory? Uh, the, <laughs> the governor has said he's going to figure out how to enforce it. So I don't know what okay, that means. That's interesting. Um, he's an interesting character. Um, but yeah, that, that it's, it's the, uh, the Pfizer one, which my dad today <laughs> asked they don't, me. They, they don't have enough of. <laughs> and also my dad asked me if that one was created by George Soros. So things are going great. Did he, did he actually? Yes, he did. He sent me a Amazing. bunch of, uh, text screenshot from a Facebook post that, um, Hold on. Do you want me to read it? Hold on. It's yes. really insane. Show me. Um, so <laughs> uh, my dad sent me this today. The Chinese biological laboratory in Wuhan is owned by Glaxo, who by chance owns Pfizer, the ones who produces the vaccine, which by chance is managed by BlackRock Finances, who by chance manages the finances of the Open Foundation Company, then in parentheses, all capitals, Soros Foundation. Coincidentally, he owns the German company Winterthur, who by chance built the Chinese laboratory in Wuhan, accidentally bought by the German Allianz, which incidentally has Vanguard as a shareholder, which is a shareholder of BlackRock, which controls the central banks and manages one third of the global investment capital, which incidentally is a major shareholder of Microsoft, the property of Bill Gates, who happens to be a shareholder of Pfizer, which sells the miracle vaccine. You can shove that vaccine up your ass. My dad did not write that, but he did screenshot that, sent it to me and say, hmm, interesting points here. (laughs) Do you know what the most interesting thing about these conspiracies is? The, the particularly the vaccine ones where it's all you know charlie day and the red and the red string yeah is that they're extremely wrong about what it means and extremely right about the fact that all of these things are connected in a yes. really fucked up way that is like this network of global capitalism which has nothing to do with the protocols of the elders of zion or george soros or bill gates microchipping you it just has to do with like yo capitalism is really really invasive and far more pervasive and hard to get rid of than you would think yes it's like oh i also am uncomfortable with the lack of agency i have over my own life due to the machinery of late-stage capitalism but i do not think that it's a jewish plot and my dad is not i had we had to have a conversation after he sent me this where i was like 
here's why the George Soros conspiracy is anti-Semitic. And then that was like a whole other conversation. It's been an afternoon of trying to untangle this stuff. But I think it is very indicative of the way that people receive these things where they don't know, you know, the nine iterations that led to the thing that appears in their newsfeed. They're just like, wow, that is interesting that all these companies are owned by the same people and like work together. Yeah. And it's like, well, it should just blue pill you into being a socialist, probably. But it doesn't. It turns you into a crazy person who doesn't want to take the vaccine that will make it so you don't have to wear a bandana to go to the supermarket. Hey, but you know what might help us take down global capitalism? Antitrust law. Good segue. Thank you. Let's talk about Facebook. So I've been reading a little bit about this before we started recording today. The way it's looking right now, um, I actually have a really good uh, screenshot here. So uh, this is from the, the, the FTC statement that's going around. And I think it really captures what's happening here, because I think a lot of people are going to glaze over when they hear, like, antitrust lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. Today, the Federal Trade Commission authorized a complaint alleging that Facebook has engaged in anti-competitive course of conduct to illegally maintain its monopoly position in personal social networking. The commission's complaint alleges that Facebook undertook a years-long effort to maintain its monopoly through anti-competitive acquisitions and actions that target potential and nascent rivals. Today's enforcement action aims to restore competition to this important industry and provide a foundation for future competitors to grow and innovate without the threat of being crushed by Facebook. The commission's requested relief includes, and this is massive, unwinding Facebook's prior acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp and barring Facebook from engaging in additional anti-competitive practices that would have helped it dominate the personal social networking market. So you're going to hear a lot of crazy stuff over the next week about like what this means, who's doing it, how this will work, how much weight this has. But what is huge is the FTC is basically saying that Facebook ha- needs to give up Instagram and WhatsApp. It's not a done deal, but that's fucking massive. That's like it is insane. Huge. That's, it is so huge. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to like wrap your head around the, the consequences of that. Because we've not got close to anything like that happening for so long. Like these, these suits basically failed in the nineties. Yes. Um, they they essentially haven't worked properly in since like the nineteen tens and nineteen twenties. And what's interesting is that like we don't know if the general lack of understanding of how the internet works will make this a more vindictive lawsuit or a less vindictive lawsuit, right? Like we don't know. Like Congress does not understand how computers work still. No, every every hearing they have, it ends up with a congressman attempting to ask Mark Zuckerberg why his his phone won't connect to the Wi-Fi. But like, I sort of suspect that everything's going to sound monopolistic because the internet is this like machine that craves convergence. So I think it's going to be very hard for Facebook to convince a bunch of old people that like they don't control everything, especially when these old people are obsessed with Facebook. And also, also especially when they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's the real problem here. And. I looked this up because, Luke, you know this. I'm obsessed with uh, monthly active users of social networks around the world. Sure. Facebook will lose access to 3 billion monthly active users if they no longer own WhatsApp or Instagram. And most importantly, they Zuckerberg has admitted that Facebook Blue, the, the main app, is hemorrhaging users. There's no pathway for Facebook to remain relevant without WhatsApp for the international market and Instagram for people under the age of 35. There's just no way. Well, they have stories now. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I know fleets are going to totally destroy Facebook. I mean, it's it's really interesting because like I genuinely do not know anyone in my life other than my dad who is actively using Facebook the way I actively use, you know, Reddit or Tumblr or something. Yeah, it's true. You just don't use it anymore. It's It's such a just a garbage place of of just nothing like it, it's it's hard to describe what it's like going there it's so leaving aside you and use it on your phone which is bad enough but using it on desktop where you go and there's just a thousand features around it you don't know what any of them do and i, no. I sound incredibly no. old here but i don't believe that i'm the only person having this experience and i i feel like it's it's there's probably a sweet spot if you're like 35 to about 45 where you're like i know what all this stuff is and then above that, you become like just it, – it's a mystery again. And well, then everyone like... is like, I don't use this regularly enough, and I'm I'm so far past this that I don't know why this exists. And then you go in your feed, and your feed is equally just, just garbage. It's I mean, there must be – I mean, I know for a fact there are people who are really into like Facebook Marketplace, which, reminder, we should probably do an episode about like the weird shit on Facebook Marketplace. Yep. 
And like, I, I do know some people who are pretty into Facebook groups. It's kind of like this thing where it's so lame. It's cool again, like Normcore, you know, like I'll start like weird Facebook groups. And I know a few people who do that. But I don't know people who actively use the platform the way it's intended to. And I think that is a real sign of a dying social network when the majority of your users no longer use it the way it was intended to, nor have you allowed them to build the apparatus to use it in a different way that is now the intention. So like basically you just have the majority of relevant users on Facebook using the platform incorrectly. And like that can't grow it. That can't do anything because it's literally breaking it down. It's like, so yeah, yeah. goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Facebook. Like, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't have Instagram, you don't have WhatsApp, like there's no path out of this. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see if they, if they can actually do this and can pull this off. And I lean to, I, I lean towards, they probably will find out the limits of antitrust law, but will therefore start doing other much harsher things as they discover that it is much harder to break up than they anticipated. Yeah, and I could also see an instance where Facebook either loses Instagram and keeps WhatsApp or keeps WhatsApp and loses Instagram by arguing that there are different websites. So like, you know, they might say, oh, we we can't, you can't keep WhatsApp because you have Facebook Messenger, and so you can't do that. Or they might say you can't keep Instagram because you – have Facebook and you can keep WhatsApp because it's deck, you know, like I, I don't know if they'll be able to get both away from them, but it is interesting. It, it's going to be really interesting. I, I'm going to ruin any leftist cred that we had on this show by saying I was a very big fan of Elizabeth Warren's platform in regards to like online marketplaces, building products. Oh, she had, own- she, she had by far the best digital yeah. platform. Like her it wasn't pl- even close. Her type pl- pl- platform was like really good. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of of everything Elizabeth Warren was basically saying about um, anti like anti competitive regulations on the internet. And her big one was that an online marketplace shouldn't be allowed to sell the products on their own marketplace. And it's sort of tied to this ongoing discussion over like what platforms can and can't do, what they legally even are. And I suspect. I suspect Facebook's not going to make it out of this in the current shape that it is now. I, I sort of think it's going to be transformative in a pretty big way and have I mean, a it, lot of ramifications. I mean, I think it's a it's it's actually a really interesting look into what the future of American politics would look like because it is one of those rare things, something that hasn't really happened for a while on particularly on the on the left liberal side, which is someone saying something and setting out kind of a radical position that's further out than anyone they're with losing but then that radical position being kind of mainstreamed and therefore brought up by people but also something that's going to very aggressively cross paths and lines because no one's happy with facebook no and like you know if, if the u.s is getting more and more partisan it's it's not impossible to see this as the thing where they figure out that there are more overlaps and that there are going to be republicans and uh, uh democrats in the middle who are both kind of like actually business good we like it uh and then people on the more extremes who are going to find out that they have more similarities and then kind of start to do a bit of a a realignment so you might get back to uh you know you might get some racist democrats like the 1950s again which is the dream that's what we need right now (laughs) more racism in the democratic party yeah Speaking of a lot of people showing up and realizing they have more in common than they thought, let's talk about what's happening with Spider-Man 3 before we get into the meat of this episode. Another great segue. Yeah, so um, for fans of the show, you know that Luke and I are huge Marvel fans, and also for people who listen to our side podcast for Patreon subscribers post-post-credit scene, we talk a lot about this, and we'll continue this conversation over there later. But the news broke this week that Alfred Molina would be reprising his role as Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 3. And just before we started recording today, it was announced that Charlie Cox would be reprising his role most likely as Daredevil, uh, according to a website that isn't like legit legit, but is very, very, very well regarded in the Marvel leaks community. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is like a whole other episode we should probably also talk about. Um, But I'm pumped (laughs) <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, and there's also an awful lot of rumors about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, though that's less clear. So there's n- uh, there's nothing new on that front. Yeah, there's nothing new on that front, but we also have 
uh, Jamie Foxx, who's coming back as well. As Electro, that's confirmed. So yeah. currently right now, we have we have Jamie Foxx reprising his role from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and we have Alfred Molina reprising his role from Spider-Man 2, which would imply some sort of like trans Spider-Man interaction because we're we're tying together all three Spider-Man movies now. Yeah. It's uh, So okay, here's here's my theory. Here's my theory on this. Spider-Man from Marvel. Okay, hold on. So Tom Holland <laughs> Spider-Man was unmasked as Peter Parker at the end of Spider-Man 2. I assume Doctor Strange will be helping him recover his identity, his secret identity. There's basis for this in the comic books. This has happened already there in a very, very bad arc called One More Day. I don't want to talk about how bad that fucking story is. Um, cool. Good. Good stuff. So I assume that's going to happen. We also know that Phase 4 of the MCU is leading to the multiverse of madness. So I think there's going to be like multiversal stuff throughout the whole phase. I suspect they're going to create the Sinister Six. Spider-Man's not going to be able to do it on his own. He's going to recruit two Spider-Man from like different realities and Daredevil and Doctor Strange. And they're going to like take on all of his rogues gallery. That's what I assume is happening. That seems right. Like it, it, they are clearly working towards a thing where they're linking up. You, 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 you can't, you can't bring back multiple people from multiple different verses and say, say, oh, I, it, this is, this is what it has to be leading towards. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> Both characters died in their movies. So I don't think they're playing yeah. the same characters from those movies. What I think they're going to do is use the use the casting to kind of be like, oh, there's a Dr. Octopus from our reality. And there's an Electro from our reality. And so I don't think we're going to see those universes versions of those characters. I think that they're using the casting to imply that like everyone is kind of doing similar roles in their respective universes. That's what I think is happening. Right. But I'm not sure. I mean that that would be interesting if if they don't if Spider Pig isn't there then I'm out obviously he won't be like there's no way they're doing that there's absolutely no that. way <laughs> I mean I think it would all it would definitely be a letdown if they did this whole thing and they didn't include Miles Morales I think people would be super pissed yeah for sure they 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 have to include him on some level um, I mean they sort of did. Because they 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 hinted at the idea that Donald Glover's nephew was Miles Morales. Yeah, and he's not. So he's not confirmed coming back. So Prowler's not coming back. Um, so I don't know unless they recast him or something. But I'd be okay. I think I'd be okay with returning Spider Man. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it would be very very ambitious. But I feel like if they could put it off, it would be be it would be really something. I think they have to pull it off because they don't have anything interesting for Phase Four. It's <laughs> just because you know they're treading water until they can do X Men and Fantastic Four movies. So, well, they're treading water until we can all go to the cinema again. Also, that. Well, no, I mean Phase Four is going to start in twenty twenty one technically now, and it's going to end in like twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we always thought that there was going to be a, a, a relatively quickly phase, relatively quick Phase Four. Uh, and then phase five and phase six would be the big ones. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for all of the Spider Men to come back. Sure. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> all right. I don't have a good segue for the monoliths. Let's talk about monoliths. Let's talk about monoliths. All right. So. I assume everyone listening to this knows what we're talking about when we talk about the monoliths, but Luke, catch everybody up because you know the you know the headcount now. Yeah. So for this episode, I did research. I have a spreadsheet. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. So as of about three weeks ago, some people discovered uh, a structure in the in the desert in Utah, uh, which was described as a monolith. Um. And everyone was like, wow, that's super weird. How did that get there? And the story around that is kind of interesting because they picked it up and they looked at it and they figured out that it was put there sometime between 2015 and 2016. According to Reddit user Bearfucker. I want that included in this. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's been there for four or five years, which is in itself, that's quite interesting. It means like it's not a marketing stunt for something that's coming out in January, as everyone seems to think it is, but it's clearly not that. 
Right. Uh, that was there for about 11 days. Um, people went to it. It was it was really distant, though. Like, it was genuinely in the middle of nowhere, so everyone really struggled to get to it. So it, it lasted a little while. Um, that was then removed by a group of, essentially, Leave No Traces, who I am firmly on the side of. Uh, yeah, they're cool. They were like, yeah, they were like, hey, you, you shouldn't drill stuff into the rock around here for no reason other than the fact that you want to. So yeah, they rocked up, removed it. That's it. That's that's it done. But then the next day, one appears in uh, Romania. Yes. Um, then one appears in California on the second of December. Uh, that is then taken down by a group of grapers. Am I pronouncing yes. that correctly? Grapers. Yeah. Yes. Who were widely described as being Christians, a Christian group. Yeah, I, I threw a little tantrum on Twitter about this because, you know, I think The Guardian has done like a very decent job covering the monolith story. They're basically like the main the main people to cover this for many weeks. And to describe the Groypers as Christians is very interesting. They are, they're it's basically like nihilistic. They're like, th- I would put them as like further right than like neo-Nazis. Like they're bad. Like they're bad news. They are... Catholic fundamentalists who want to create like a race war, like they're really bad. Um, they're <laughs> crusaders, basically. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, we have three, uh, and that monolith so it was taken down on the third of December and then put back on the fourth of December. But this is the big thing about these three monoliths: is that all three monoliths are different. It's clearly they're clearly not the same thing. Uh, the initial one was well, actually, they all were. The initial one was hollow, which by on its on its own really annoys me because. If you're going to put something up somewhere, it should be a solid lump of rock or a solid lump of metal. But wait, it's not. Wait, They're all hollow. Why are you upset about the hollow? Why, why does a structure Because it's not a monolith. To- it's not a monolith. A monolith is a single piece of material. That's true. In fact, I wanted to call them obelisks. I think obelisk is cooler. It sounds more mysterious. Yeah, obelisk is, is arguably closer. But yeah, and then the Romanian one, which was put up for like, was up for like four days, um... And all of the officials in the town were super enthusiastic about it and saying, like, isn't this crazy? Isn't this fun? You should come to our town uh, and check oh. out this this monolith. Poor Romania. Uh, yeah, no, they were very they were very clearly that was very clearly a publicity stunt by the the, the, the town itself. Which fair also, enough. Also, didn't that one have like weird like scribbles all over it? Right. So again, it was a different thing. It wasn't a like nice clean lump of metal, not that the first one was, but it wasn't a clean looking lump of metal. It was like a weirdly polished lump of metal. Like it looked like someone had used a, a, a mini um, disc sander on it. Um, so yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it did look very different. And, and then the one in California was not attached to the ground. It was just left there. It was just oh. freestanding. Uh, and also had rivets on, which as we all know, when aliens leave their monoliths, they like to put rivets in things. You know. <sighs> so where did the other 10 come from? <laughs> I mean, this is the question, because this is where this becomes an internet story. So I think the next one, and I, I'm i a bit out on some of these dates because it was, it's kind of hard to, to track them all down. Okay. So we then have one in on the Isle of Wight, which was appeared on Sunday, uh, which was put there by a man called Tom Dunford. So the Isle of Wight one when, was the moment where I was like, all right, this is over. Like the minute it I'm ends up in like some depressing like British town, I'm just like, okay, we're done here. Oh, it's going to get better than this then. Uh, so there's Tom Dunford. He said, I did it purely for fun. Um, this right. was su- super shiny, very reflective. And it, was, it wasn't it was made of metal. It was made from, quote, mirrored sections of plastic. Oh, well, that's good. So that, for, that's nice. I mean. Yeah, so that was just made of plastic. Then another one appeared, appeared in Albuquerque. Um, then one appeared in Belgium, one in the Netherlands, one in Germany, one in some mountains in Spain. One appeared in Glastonbury uh, and had graffitied on it, not Banksy, just to make That's clear that it's not a Banksy so thing. so good. That's so good, though. Everything everything should be labeled not Banksy. I feel like that's important. <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, all right, wait. So did the aliens forget about Asia and Africa, or what happened here? Uh, I, assu- I assume that, yeah, they just haven't got there. Oh, there is one in uh, Colombia in South America, which is okay. close to you. I don't know if that's yours. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I did, I did that one. I went over to Colombia <laughs> and dropped that one yeah, out. Yeah, that, that one is gold. I love that. That's cool. That's cool. They're mixing it up. But then my favorite one, uh, which is in, <laughs> and I'm putting the file in chat, uh, is in uh, a small town in England called Blackburn. 
<laughs> it's just a mirror. It's just a full length mirror. There's no yep. there's no model in for that. It's all also, models. okay, so for, for people who can't see this photograph, it is unbelievable. It is a very rained on car park at a shopping mall in a small, dreary town in England, and the reflective surface of the monolith is reflecting a man in, like, a yellow high-vis jacket taking, like, a very bad cell phone photo that is this photo that I'm looking at. It is quite possibly the most British photo I've ever seen. It seems relatively clear that it's, like, a three-part mirror from Ikea that's just been folded around itself to form a monolith. Yeah, this is... This is so good. Wow. Yeah. And that's when you know a story is truly viral when a local British <laughs> uh, a local British uh, newspaper just finds one of these in just an extremely uninteresting place. Um, is it weird that this photograph of this like incredibly depressing car park in the middle of nowhere England made me kind of homesick for living in the UK? <laughs> it, like it's very clearly like nighttime at three o'clock in the afternoon, and it has been raining for days. And there's just like a very like unassuming middle aged man looking excited about something very stupid in a parking lot. Yeah. Uh, wow. I that like that really affected me. <laughs> um. Okay. The man, so, the man who discovered it, his name is uh, Andrew Smith. He's the operations manager at the mall. Yeah. Uh, and he said, "I was just minding my own business, driving into work and parking up when I spotted it in the distance." Of course you were, Andrew. I came to a standstill wow. in my car and just stared at it. I just heard there have been sightings across the world and just dismissed it as a hoax. But now we have one here. It's inexplicable. It is inexplicable, Andrew. And I absolutely believe that you were just minding your own business when you found this monolith in the car park <laughs> of the place that you work. <laughs> yeah wow so why don't you like any of these i just <laughs> so <laughs> let's pick apart what's bothering you about these monoliths luke what's bothering me about the monoliths is the first one appeared and i was like okay that's cool and it was particularly cool because like it, it quickly became clear it had been there for a long time and like i've got a lot of time for people who do art that they have no idea how it how it's gonna pan out which i think we can agree the first one's art right I consider this podcast a very similar thing where it's like an art project that like we don't know where this is going or people will ever find it, but like we're just seeing what happens. In many ways, we prefer people don't find it because, uh, yeah, we haven't thought much of this through. Um, but so we so we have the first one and it's like, OK, that's quite cool. Uh, and then it's a brief news story. People go see it. People tear it down. A bit of drama and stuff. But then all of the rest of them were so transparently and blatantly just cashing, attempting to cash in on it, but also in a way that it's not quite clear why people are trying to cash in on it, which was the thing that really bugged me because it's not as though people are, you know, doing a thing and saying, we found a new one of these uh, and it's worth money or whatever. People are just like, Oh, there's a thing here. And then they, cause they know that someone from a local news agent is going to come down and take a photo of it and go like, yes, that is, that is a lump of, of metal in a field. Wait, your problem is that people aren't cashing in on these things. It's, it's an odd this is an odd place between okay here it is it is that they are attempting to cash in on it in the most uninteresting possible way which is by getting their photo in the local newspaper but i feel like that's a good thing like local news we need it you know antitrust blow up facebook local news forever monoliths in every town <laughs> right but it's it's the thing of everyone understands how like it's it's so not hard and people were like, like people at this guy in The Art of White, Tom Dunford, has gone like, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go down to the beach at four in the morning, put an object there. Someone's going to come across it, send a photo to the local paper. And two days later, I can be somehow on the BBC saying, uh, yeah, no, I put up this thing. And it, it's, it's so meaningless that it is not even people aren't doing it for the joy of doing something meaningless, which the first one was. The first one was, I'm going to do something meaningless and mysterious. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I don't know what's going to happen to it. And it's just a weird thing that I'm going to do. And then everyone else is doing it very clearly to get a photo of it in the paper or on the internet. Because also, it's not in the, it's probably, most of these are not in the local paper. The one in Blackburn almost definitely is, obviously. But uh, most of these internationally are just like, yeah, no, we've just got a, we've got a monolith here. And then it will appear on news websites. And I don't really, I just don't understand why. I'm fascinated with how much this bothers you. <laughs> okay. I mean, I feel like this is totally harmless. And I, uh, so, okay. I, I want to talk a little bit about like 
my my grand theory about the internet, and I've been having this since Pokemon Go, which is was a big moment for you and I because it was actually one of the first times in our friendship that we both earnestly reacted with genuine interest <laughs> to something at the same time. Yes. Pokemon Go was the moment where the internet got inverted, and it was no longer a digital space that you use to talk about real life. I believe that the internet is now something that you use to interact with real life. I think I think we, we flipped it on its head with Pokemon Go. We took the internet outside of our homes, and then it fully became something that we use in an immersive physical space. And since that period of time, every nine months or so, there is a new thing that suddenly the internet inspires and changes about our physical world. Uh, you know, in 2016, we also had killer clowns, which was a thing. Uh, last year we had the area 51 raids. It's interesting. They mentioned killer clowns. Cause that is exactly what I thought of when I was looking at this. Right. But I think, I think these, these moments are becoming more regular. They're becoming more global. They're becoming more intricate. And I think that they're becoming something that for the most part is, a source of joy for people. I think it's there to, you could also argue that this same mechanism is actually what caused Charlottesville. And I could sit here all day and probably say, yes, that's probably true. But I think it is interesting to me that the internet is continuing to produce these moments where the whole world goes, Oh, I get this meme. I'll do it too. And they are becoming more complicated. And I, I think it's interesting that this weird outsider art project that got, pushed out into the desert for five years that got discovered randomly and then put on Instagram has in the span of what, three weeks inspired essentially a global movement to just erect weird silver objects and pretend that aliens are invading the earth. (laughs) And I think that's like amazing. Uh, That gives me like human porn feels, you know, like that frisson from when humans do cool stuff together. Like I think it's cool. I I, want to build a monolith here in Sao Paulo. I think it'd be, it'd be fun. See, this is it though, because I agree with you to a certain extent, but although I will say that the clowns got really out of hand. The, well, the, I think people got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people got hurt with the clowns. Uh, and, it, and and people got terrified and children got really scared. And it, that was, that got way out of hand. I think that's kind of what bugs me about it is that it's not people doing something. It doesn't feel like it's some people doing something for other people on the internet. It feels like they're doing it for an audience. Which is a the thing. It's not building a network with other people doing the same dumb thing. It's just it feels like it feels performative. It feels like performative internet weirdness. Rather but than isn't everything on the internet performative? I mean the kid Naruto running through the desert in front of Area fifty one, like wasn't that performative? To an extent, but that was kind of it felt that like there was a community there that were enjoying it. Whereas this doesn't feel like there's a community. Well, it's because of the pandemic, Luke. What pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> we can't. Uh, we can't go outside, Luke. So, <laughs> I mean, I- yeah, true. I just it just is one of those things that just bugs me because it feels like it has the contours of many of the things that make the internet fun, but is being done because, yeah, then people are just sort of standing next to their monolith and going, oh, "I did this one," and it's like, well, if you claim it, that ruins it. It is true. I mean, it, and a bunch of these have been claimed as well. Well, I think that actually speaks to another aspect of this that is something interesting that we should sort of explore, which is I think the easiest way to explain a meme is an inside joke shared at maximum scale. And yeah. there's an inherent contradiction there. There's a paradox there. And the sort of the fun of a meme is the breakdown of how long you can keep this inside joke going before it's no longer an inside joke. It's why I'm like very morally conflicted over having a very long career as someone who explains memes is that part of me feels like the minute you do, they die. (laughs) What's interesting about the monoliths is that like for, uh, basically up until Cal, up until the Groypers, uh, up until the seaside one. uh, No. Yeah. Up until the one in Devon or wherever it was. Uh, Isle of Wight. Yeah. Up until the one in the Isle of Wight. It felt very much like we were all sort of in on a joke where we're like, it's definitely probably not aliens. And like, this is interesting. And like, they're appearing. Okay. Interesting. This is fun. And then once it gets to the Isle of Wight, I agree with you. It does start to have that like extremely desperate local British news feel. 
Yes. I mean, I think this also might be an additional sensitivity that I have in that I've lived in the Britain for a long time. And there is a particular tenor that British news has. Uh, that means that everything very rapidly becomes, hits a formula very fast. Yes, there is a grimness to the way the people in small British towns interact with culture. <laughs> and I, I, I don't exactly know how to describe it to people who have never encountered this, but I know what you mean. Yeah, it's quite, it is quite hard to, it is quite hard to describe to people who are not, who have not been, who do not live in Britain and have never lived in Britain. But it, it, it is, it is, yeah, it is a particular flavor where you see something and you can see, okay, I understand the, the, the levers that this presses and the, the buttons that this pushes and exactly how this can appeal to many people in this particular format of essentially a British tabloid news. Right. And there's sort of an inverse, I think, that happens in America where I don't think it was an accident that this was a piece of... So, I mean, the the American desert states, like, you know, the American Southwest, it's half yeah. like QAnon-believing chiropractors and, like, you know... Uh, personal trainers and the other half are just like insane like absolute psychopaths who just make art in the desert (laughs) and to me it's not it's not surprising that this started in the middle of nowhere utah like that oh and then i guess like there's a bunch of cults out there too so like you know was this a piece of art was this genuinely created by someone who believes in aliens to contact other planets like who knows but also the, the first one took work which i think is the other thing like it's in the middle of the Utah desert. Like that took planning and time and stuff. And the rest of them is just like someone banging some bits of perspex together and going, "Yeah, it's a, it's a monolith." Right. I mean, there's 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 all kinds of weird structures across America that are just like hidden in the middle of nowhere. I mean, just recently <laughs> this week, a guy that I used to kind of work with years ago turned out to be the guy who discovered that treasure that poet hid in the middle of nowhere. Oh. Oh, wait, that got found? Yeah, Jack Stewiff, the guy who tried to take down the oatmeal in like 2014, found it. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? If, if anyone understands the words that just came out of my mouth there, congrats, you've been on the internet for way too long. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think, I think I, you know, the pandemic has really like riled up my sensibilities and like thinking about what I want out of life and like more weird shit, I'm into, I'm into that, like. Get weird with it. Bury something out in the middle of nowhere and give people hints about where it is. Build a strange structure to contact alien life in the middle of the desert, not tell anyone where it is. Like, whatever. But critically but critically, do it for the fun of it and don't do it because someone will eventually take a picture of it and put it on the internet. Sure. But I also think that, like, we're still in our infancy of understanding what the actual physical networking effects of the internet are. Like, we understand that it can create protests. We understand that it can create fashion trends. We understand that the internet can connect people using mobile apps. We understand that people can come together for concerts. We understand that people can come together for meet and greets, conventions. But we're still at the very early stages of understanding exactly how we can use the internet to connect physically. And so I sort of see these moments like the clowns thing or the monoliths thing or the Area 51 raid or the... Um, uh, those TikTok videos where like 50 kids like hide and like do some weird dance together or something like we we're just learning what this can do and so to me like the monolith thing it's like all right can everyone for like three weeks pretend that aliens are invading the earth and like build weird structures sure what well, let's try it let's see what right. it does it's a safe way to do it too yeah I, I, no i do i do support people doing weird things i just think that this particular one went from being a fun weird thing to a painful cry for not particularly interesting attention, like not that much attention, which is which is the other thing. Like the payoff here is people are doing it for a payoff, but the payoff is 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 so minimal that I don't know why it's a thing that we're trying to do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. We're also just like I think we're just running out of content. Like like we're we're <laughs> sputtering out, man. None of us have gone outside in a year. Like there's. All right, you want me to build a tower in the middle of nowhere? I can not get coronavirus doing that, so yeah, let's do it. The internet has gotten weird. Yes, I think that's very like true. It's, it's picked up a weird characteristic, and I can't quite figure out what it is, because you know, 80% of it's still the same, but there's 20% of it which is just getting just quite strange, and people are having arguments about things that 
like people always have dumb arguments on the internet, but those arguments seem to be getting stupider. I actually came across a guy the other day who was using Twitter to ask the Pope if the Pope could help him divorce one of his wives because he accidentally got double married to two different women in two different countries. Um, so yes, I think, I think what you're probably describing is like one, everyone's insane and traumatized from the virus. So we're just all acting strange. Sure. And two, I think we are at the beginning of a cult, like of a new era of internet use. And I've been trying to put my finger on it as well. Of like what exactly is changing, but there is like the way we interact with technology is changing right now. And I don't know how to describe it, but we, we are at a moment and I, and it's like my, all of my spider sense to bring it all the way back to the beginning of the show is going off and I cannot figure out like what is happening. Yeah. I just keep thinking and I'm, I'm going back kind of through some of the things that have happened this year. And there's so many things which are aggressively strange and also, I feel like I can name like three or four of them, and you will like have no idea what I'm talking about. Try me. Um, okay, so there was a there was a woman over here who spent like a day insisting that a dead deer that she found had spontaneously combusted. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Was that like yeah? April? That was a August. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, like, I think that we've talked about whether or not you're supposed to wash your legs in the shower, like every day this year. Oh, there, so was, dude, there was just a new one where like, all, turn out that white people don't shower after they swim in the pool. And then that turned into like a whole content right. cycle. Yeah. The same one. That was, that was, that was a whole thing. Um, today, actually the last two days, Britain has been debating how to say the word microwave. Oh, cause the Nigella Lawson pronouncing the word microwave weird. Yeah. yeah. But she, she pronounced it in like a way that every British person has made a bad joke. Like it is an entire category of British person jokes where they pronounce something in like a slightly weirdly posh way. But I still need a bit of milk, full fat, which I've warmed in the microwave. Yeah, it's like when you guys like make jokes about like how to pronounce words in like a French accent. Right, exactly. Where it's like, it's, 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 it, the whole thing smacks of class, basically. Yes. But, which we're not going to get into, but it's that thing of everyone knows that joke. It is a pretty common joke. It's, it's like not even a joke. It's just like a, 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 a half phrase that you say that, that, it's like punchline. It's like, a, a, it's like punctuation in, in your speech. Um, and for some reason, she does this on TV and then for some reason, for two days, everyone's judging whether or not she knows how to pronounce microwave. And it's like, I mean, I mean, what are we d doing here? I watched the clip. It's insane. Like, but <laughs> it sounds like a joke. Over here, a bunch of people kicked up the uh, the himbo discourse again. So now we're all fighting about himbos again in America, which is just exhausting. Cool, cool. Like, have you ever, have you ever been to a bodega with a himbo? Oh my god, the bodega thing. This is it. It does feel. It feels like. I don't want to get to like Steve Bannon on this podcast, <laughs> but it, it, it feels very much like we are entering like a phase, a new phase. And a lot of the old ways of using the internet and interacting with the internet are being like, kind of like thrown out and we're sort of like getting them out of our system. Like, it feels very much like the way we've been living for the last four, five, four to five years is shifting. And and certain things are becoming more interesting. I, I this could this could be the, the post Trump effect. This could also be the fact that Gen Z are like solidly entering their early to mid twenties now. So I don't know what's happening, but everything's getting wacky as fuck and also dumb. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing. My thing is that as the world has accelerated, the internet's got like faster. Everyone is used to having like far more content. But that is supplied by people being out in the world doing things. Now, no one's out in the world doing anything. Nothing's having any new experiences. So as a result, everyone is just like forming new, almost false memories, but like false content. So all of this content is happening. And I'm like, we've done this before. We've done this many times before. We did this last week. And for some reason, we're doing this again in a very slightly different way. And each time it gets like 10% more fucked up until eventually like we're having... People are talking about necrophilia and like necrophilia. Is it okay? And all this sort of stuff. And it's just absolutely. Wait. Yeah. Did people have that conversation? 
Yeah. What? Who's fighting about necrophilia? I can't remember who's. Ne- I can't even remember who necrophilia was. But there was a whole necrophilia. It wasn't necrophilia is okay, but there was a necrophilia is not that bad thing. There was also there was also an extended period when people were talking about uh, Jeffrey. People were saying that criticizing Jeffrey Tubin was sex shaming. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I think one thing we can all all agree on is that everyone on Earth is insane when it comes to sex stuff, and the pandemic has revealed that, like, like there's there's a lot of weird stuff out there in terms of what people think, because everyone needs to go to horny jail, is what I'm saying for 2021. Yeah, in 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 many ways, like. 2020 has been the year of yikes. Yeah, because, like, everyone's alone and horny and, like, you know, hasn't been hugged in a while. And so everyone's just acting insane. And (laughs) I do think you're right, though, about the Internet's ability to kind of create false shared memories. I mean, you know, I don't want to get to William Gibson this time on you, but what is the Internet if not a false shared memory we all experience together at once, right? Um, But I think, yeah, like, we are – we're creating a virtual reality it's a bad one and it's broken and like not really that fun, but that's what we've done in the last year. We've created a completely separate reality that is uh, interacted <laughs> with mainly on Twitter and Reddit and Facebook. Yeah. And um, wait, yeah, was, what if yeah. the, the shift in consciousness that we're talking about is because of the monoliths? <laughs> I don't think it started only in mid-November. No, but what if we're realizing it now because of the monoliths? What if they've opened up our third eye? I mean, throwing this out there, that monolith arrived in 2016. Oh. Yeah. Wow. The monolith happened when the, the things started going off the rails. It did happen sometime between 2015 and 2016. That is true. Which yep. is what we can all agree is kind of when we entered this dimension from the other dimension. <laughs> the, the, the dark timeline. My friend used to have a theory that everything has been going progressively worse since we turned on the Hadron Collider. Yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about the same time. It all, it all comes... It, it, something happened to us. Okay, so I also found something interesting for this episode. Um, I may have found it during the course of recording this episode, but either way, I found it. It's a CNET story by uh, author Amanda Kuser. And it's titled, I Hugged a Monolith and It Felt Suitably Mysterious. And cool. apparently this writer went to the monolith in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And they went up and she put on, oh, she put hand sanitizer on and she hugged it. And she said it felt like hugging a steel pillar. It was a solid structure felt unyielding and elemental and <laughs> it was warm so there you go okay <laughs> yeah sure why not luke what content have you consumed this week to stay sane um like a lot of football. There's been a lot of football happening. Nice. Talk about it much, but Tottenham are top of the league, so that's great. It's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good for me. That's good to hear. There's been some really dark racism stuff happening as well, so that's been fun. What in the Premier League? Yeah. So you want to you want to hear something kind of wild about like English sports convert, compared to American sports? Is that since the start of obviously professional sports stopped. Uh, over the initial lockdown and now start up again no fans which i believe in america they do have fans which seems crazy mm. um but yeah no fans uh but since it started up they started up again in what uh, august i want to say maybe july uh they've been taking the knee before every single game every single player from every single team um as like because obviously that happened in the wake of the george floyd killings but they're, they're they stuck with it um but as of this last weekend, they started allowing some fans back in. Okay. Uh, they're only allowing a maximum of 2,000 fans in. So it's it's basically an empty stadium with 2,000 people dotted around it. Weird. Okay. So it's effectively still an empty stadium. It's pretty weird. Um, and then one club, uh, Millwall, decided to take the knee uh, and got booed by their fans because their fans are notoriously awful. Okay. Um, they then claimed that it wasn't, they weren't objecting to the anti-racism of it, despite, again, having a notoriously racist fan base. Like, not all Millwall fans are racist, but 
many of the most racist fans are Millwall supporters. Um, they, they then, yeah, they booed this thing. Then claimed that it was because they were objecting to the anti, they were objecting to the Marxist politics and anti-family oh. politics of the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Uh, then on Wednesday they played. No, Wednesday. Uh, I mean Tuesday, so yesterday. Uh, they played the next game uh, where the team they're playing, QPR, uh, agreed instead of taking the knee, they were all going to like link arms. Uh, in order to appease this incredibly racist fan base, okay. um, until the QPR players scored, at which point they all took the knee and did the Black Power salute. Oh, which was good, which was great fun. That is great. Um, That's great. Yeah, and they were not happy about that. Uh, and then yesterday they had to cancel an entire game, uh, a PSG game. So the wealthiest, um, wealthiest club in the world, which is essentially owned by a Middle Eastern petro state. Mm-hmm. Uh, owned by Qatar, and yeah, they cancelled a game because one of the referees was racist to one of the players. So yeah, it's been a fun week for racism in football. Wow. So yeah, anyway, that's my content for the week. What content have you been consuming to stay sane? Honestly, like the best thing that I've been consuming is The Mandalorian because that show is fucking unbelievable, man. Like, <laughs> Baby Yoda's name is Grogu, Boba Fett's back. It's crazy. Um, it's everything I've ever wanted out of a Star Wars thing consistently every week rosario dawson showed up as ahsoka tano which was the coolest episode i've seen of a tv show in a very long time it's just it's just great and i'm so nervous every week because like it's just ratcheting up my expectations in a way that like i didn't want to ever let star wars make me feel again and yet here i am i i don't know that's sad gotta hold on to it i i sort of suspect i sort of hope that they're going to use the Mandalorian to retcon the new sequels by sort of like explaining some of the weirder stuff about those movies. I sort of suspect we're going to like get an intro to the first order, maybe via the Mandalorian, the timeline would kind of make sense, but I'm not sure. So I don't know. Um, ah, I don't know. I just, okay. it's just good. It's just good. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I can do a great segue from this because I, we are going to go over to our other podcast now uh, and talk about uh, the latest DC movie that we watched, which was Aquaman, which I have an extended theory about how it is essentially a Star Wars movie. I would agree with if that. You want him, if you want me to exp- hear me expand on that, come to our other podcast, Post Post Credits. That's scene. interesting because actually the theory that I was going to talk about this week is how Marvel films are Star Wars and DC films should try to be more like Indiana Jones. Anyways, okay. let's take this on over, and I will see you over there. Thank you guys for listening. Next week is our last episode of the year for the Content Minds. We will be continuing post-post-credit scene um, for our paying subscribers, and we've decided uh, we're going to use our two weeks off uh, to introduce you guys to our other show. So um, there will be episodes in the normal feed but it'll be post post credit scene. It'll make sense. Don't worry, but we'll see you next week. Um, if you have any ideas for end of the year content that you want us to dive into, let us know. Uh, we are very excited to, uh, to put all that together. Um, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.